Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron. And there's a new hardware wallet out on the market. It's thin. It's the size of a credit card. It's very easy to use. It's Bluetooth. It pairs with your phone. And it's super convenient. It's called the Cool Wallet S. And it originated right here from Taiwan. So today we're going to talk to Mr. Michael O, the CEO and founder of that company, talk about his origin stories, talk about what he saw in the market that inspired him to make this wallet, and of course, the security of your crypto. But before we get into that conversation, thank you very much for listening to this episode. Please share this podcast with your friends, your family, anybody that wants to get into crypto, anybody that is into crypto, so they can learn about these great projects, these people, these ideas, these ideologies, these philosophies, and much, much more. And also, wherever you're listening to this podcast, please make sure you're subscribed, leave us a rating and a comment. It helps us stay visible for other people to find the show. And don't forget, we're not financial advice, trading advice, legal advice, or personal advice. Now, without further ado, here's Michael. Cool Bix. We'll see you after the show. Michael O, founder and CEO of Cool Bix. Welcome to Crypto 101, sir. Hey, Matthew. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, man. You're in Taipei, you know? So we're, we're in the same time zone, we're in the same country. Dude, how awesome is that? <laughs> awesome. Do you talk to a lot of podcasts that are based in Taiwan? Well, we don't have a lot of podcasts, but I do listen to podcasts like yours. Oh, wow. Thank you. I appreciate that. So what we want to do today is not only know about you, as all the listeners know, we always want to go through the 101 of the founder and CEO of these different companies, but we also want to know about your company. We want to know about your products. And one of your products that is taking the crypto space by storm is the Cool Wallet S. It's a about a credit card size or exactly a credit card size wallet like a ledger nano which everybody knows using that as a reference that you can just put in your wallet and keep all your cryptos your erc20 tokens on and let's go into that in the future of wallets what do you think sir so i think what we're doing is definitely gonna change how people behave in crypto space and the way we design it is to fit how mainstream market users will be comfortable with so with that in place, we think we're going to speed up the mass adoption. Right on. So let's go into you a little bit first. Michael, tell us about you, where you're from growing up. I was born in Taipei and I was raised in Taipei until I graduated from the high school and finished my military service in Taiwan. And then I went to Newcastle University in the UK in 2009 and did my bachelor degree in communications, PR and media. And then I went on completing my uh, MBA degree, majored in entrepreneurial management. Right now, where'd you do your MBA at? Newcastle University in the UK. Oh, okay. You did it all in communications and the MBA at, at Newcastle. Yeah, in the same school. Wait, okay, so now I have to ask an obvious question. Do you have an American accent? Where'd you get that then? A lot of American drama. <laughs> okay, cool. <man. laughs> so with your communications and the MBA, what did you do after the MBA? Did you start this company? Did you start Coolbix right after it? Or what did you go? Did you start working in certain sectors? Very good question. So when I was in MBA in 2013, that's the first time I heard about Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And of course, nobody in class understood what that was. And I thought it was an interesting idea to bring that topic into my seminar group for a month-long discussion to see whether it's worth exploring more, whether it's uh, worth to do a business in. And then after a month, experts from different industries, they all came back with the same conclusion that if you want to start a business, do something with Bitcoin, because they thought the valuable thing about Bitcoin is the blockchain technology behind it. But 
back then or even till now still is the fact that Bitcoin or cryptocurrency is still the biggest economy in the whole blockchain space. Mm -hmm. And when you want to do a business, you want to make money, right? Mm -hmm. You want to just be a charity. So the conclusion was do a startup about Bitcoin. And then it took us another four months. I had to wake up literally 4 a.m. every day to have a conference call with two consultants, uh, one in Canada, one in Taiwan, and I was in the UK, mm -hmm. so across three time zones. And they were from McKenzie Consulting Management. So what we did in those three, four months was market survey, trying to study what are the missing components in the cryptocurrency space. And we realized there was already an exchange. Back then there was Mongox, and then there was hardware wallets, there were software wallets and ATMs, post terminals. They were all there already. What else could we do? And what else was missing in the market that would potentially bring crypto to mainstream? Then we took a closer look at the software wallets and the hardware wallet 1.0. I call it 1.0, I will explain why later. So we took a closer look at the software wallets. We thought it's very easy to use, free to download from the internet, perfect. People love free stuff. 99% of the population back then, I mean crypto population, use free to download wallets. Then we realized that there were too many hacks. Even till now, there are still too many hacks. Within the past one year, one billion US dollars worth of crypto has been uh, stolen. That is just not acceptable to our uh, standard. So we thought, okay, so software wallets are definitely not something we want to build a trillion dollar market on. Because if you are thinking about investing in Apple stock right now, and at the APM news channel, you've heard about Apple stock on Nasdaq, for example, just got hacked and billion dollars worth of stocks are gone, are now in hackers' pocket. I'm sure that stock market will collapse. And cryptocurrency is just like another financial investment asset. When people are thinking, when people are evaluating whether they want to come into this space or not, they not only evaluate the price fluctuation, the growth, the decline, but also they evaluate the health of the industry overall. And having all kinds of hacks is just not acceptable. So we thought a more secure wallet should be given as an option to the market. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, this is the interesting part. Back then, there were already what I call hardware wallet 1.0. They are USB-based wallets, extremely secure. However, it's extremely difficult to use. Mm -hmm. You need to have the hardware wallet device itself, plus a USB cable, plus a laptop, Wi-Fi, software, everything, every component in place, then you can make one single transaction. It will probably take you at least five minutes if you're lucky, if you're familiar with the whole process. Mm -hmm. Not to mention moms and dads, they will have no idea how to manage all that. Mm -hmm. And if you count that many elements you have to have for one transaction and the five minutes operating time, it is just not acceptable if you want to bring this whole industry to a mainstream use case scenario. Imagine if you go to a grocery shop and tell the merchant, hey, I want to pay with my USB stick and laptop and oh, hold on. Yeah, uh, forget about the queue behind me. Let's deal with this right now. Right. It's just not happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we thought Hurry Wallet 1.0 serves a good job protecting users' private keys offline. It targets the early adopters the geeks, the um, tech savvies. But if we want to take crypto to the next stage of growth, that has to be changed. 
And that is why we decided to start at Kubix, decided to work on something with a perfect combination of the hardware wallet security plus the convenience, the ease of use of a software wallet. And that is the whole philosophy of Cool Wallet S. Right on, man. Right on. So you found a niche in this space. You've, you were looking at, you said Mt. Gox is still around. There was a software wallet. So this must have been back 2013, 2014 or so. And you've been working on Coolbix for all that time, four years now? Yes. Before I uh, further talk about my experience in Coolbix, I would like to add a little more background of my personal experience. Besides being a founder and CEO of Kubix, I'm also a chairman of a public company called Smart Displayer. It's my 20-year-old family business, now it's public, and we serve our banking security solution to over 50 banks in over 30 countries, including uh, UBS, Bank of America, Citi, Standard Charter Bank, even Apple is our client. So. We know traditional banking security inside out. We even help Visa and MasterCard to set up their benchmark for a certain type of security product called Display Card. So we know how security solutions are designed and why they are there. And that also gives me a lot of advantage and experience in building a solution for crypto space. I want to bring that heritage and benefit to the crypto crowd. So yes. From 2014, I have been working for Kubix till now. And I had to say in the beginning, it was a very difficult start because in 2014, when I finished my MBS school and came back to Taiwan, start Kubix, nobody, literally nobody in the market understood what Bitcoin was. Mm -hmm. Everybody thought I was onto some kind of scam. (laughs) They probably still do. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, some of them, yes, unfortunately. So not to mention how difficult it was to do any fundraising. So we bootstrapped for two years from 14 to 15. And as you know, the price in 14 and 15 was so bad. The market was so cold. The price was at the point 20, no, 200 US dollars per Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought the market was about to collapse. And for four or five months, we couldn't even afford our own salaries. Mm. Yeah. And there was a time we were thinking, huh, is this the end of the industry? Should we continue? Should we hang in there? But thank God we made it. So <laughs> yeah, here we are today. In 2016, we finally secure our seed round fundraising. It was a 600,000 US dollars investment. Mm-hmm. We received from VCs from Malaysia, Hong Kong, Taiwan, and Bitmain. And then that seed money got us to continued our development from previously first generation Cool Wallet in 15 to second generation Cool Wallet S in 2017. Mm -hmm. That supports uh, multiple coins, what the market really needs. And it's been a successful growth. We've sold over 150,000 units since the launch of uh, second generation and company has been profitable since 2017. That got us to a very good milestone in the beginning of this year with a 12 million US dollars investment from SBI Holding, previously known as SoftBank Investment. They are currently the biggest Japanese online banking group. They have 30 million user base within their ecosystem. They serve online banking, online insurance, online stock brokerage. And the good news is this giant group is now bringing its 30 million users into crypto space. So good news for everyone. 
So you went you went into the world of business. So you went to school in Newcastle, undergrad, MBA. Your family business is basically insecurity. So you have a whole line of experience plus education. But then you looked at the market and you did a proper analysis with McKinsey. You saw that there was a need for this product. But why did you find a need for this product? What was the other, say you called them hardware wallets 1.0, lacking that you decided to go this route and what is the 2.0 do you call cool wallet s the 2.0 or do you call it the 1.5 or is there going to be future evolutions i say it's a constant evolution we call ourselves 2.0 because we are the only and first wallet that work with both iphones and android phones the key is that we want users to forget about how hardware wallets used to work with laptops mm. We want them to forget about laptops. Come on, man. Nobody's carrying laptops on the street all the time. <laughs> Probably just, just me now. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So what we want to enable is that users will be able to make a trade when they are taking a bus on the go, having a lunch, when they were uh, staring at the price index on their smartphone app, then they will think, ah, it's probably a good timing to, to buy or sell. But what happens if they leave their USB-based wallets or laptop at home? Mm -hmm. at that point they missed the opportunity so that is a very bad experience in infrastructure i'd say mm -hmm. so we are building a more mobile more usable cryptocurrency infrastructure to the market right now and not to mention the next big thing we are working on because we already solved the uh, mobility and usability and security issues and actually there's a bigger issue to be solved which we are lately addressing that is the compliance issue Mm -hmm. Now, that's a big topic. The current AML compliance practices are simply not efficient enough. So what we are doing is what we call wallet issuance service that will simultaneously solve two issues. One is the user experience. One is the K1C and AML compliance. Mm -hmm. And the wallet issuance, how it solves the user experience issue is nowadays, if you are a user and you go order a hardware wallet from the internet, when you receive it, you will have to generate your wallet recovery seed phrase, the private keys yourself, and then manage that complicated recovery seed phrase yourself. You have to write it on a piece of paper, probably hold it in your vault or under your pillow, uh, not very smart. But that recovery seed phrase is just not something regular users are comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So this wallet issuance will be like, if you now go to a bank, you open your bank account and a few days later you'll receive your credit card, ATM card or debit card. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about generating the private keys of your credit card. Mm -hmm. Somebody already did it for you. It's either the credit card issuer or the bank itself. And our wallet issuance service is providing the same type of service to exchange users or wallet service users or mining users. When users later go to exchange and open an account, and then they click apply for hardware wallet, a few days later, they will receive a hardware wallet with uh, pre-generated private keys and public keys, and there will be a Visa, MasterCard standard security facility to generate and store your recovery seed trace for you. Hmm. So when you actually lose the hardware wallet itself, instead of recovering it with the recovery seed trace, you just call up your exchange and say, hey, I lost my wallet. Can you give me a new one? Then this facility would generate your wallet 
for you again and then ship it to you. Just like now, if you go to a bank and tell them you lost your credit card, they will issue a new card for you. Okay, so let's walk this back a little bit because that's, I think that for a conceptual way to you know, envision this, we, I think we have to go step by step. And first, I, I want to describe what Cool Wallet looks like because if nobody's been to it, please go to coolwallet.io. You can check out the product there. It's basically a slick, thin credit card sized wallet with a small LED screen there so you can check your balances and what have you and it pairs with a proprietary app that goes with your either iOS device or your Android device and you are connected via Bluetooth. And so you have your wallet in hand and now what you just said and I just want to make sure that everybody who's listening understands correctly instead of going into your website and clicking learn more add to cart and buying a new wallet for 99 US dollars you are able to just go to your exchange or you will be Tell them, hey, apply for a hardware wallet. They're going to ship you a Cool Wallet S to your house with your crypto already loaded on it. And that's, that's what I understand, correct? Yes, that's correct. And if you lose that wallet, you can call the exchange, say Bittrex or Binance, and say, yo, guys, I lost my wallet. Send me another one. They'll do some KYC AML stuff. They'll make sure that it's you. Mother's maiden name, maybe your address where you were born, <laughs> and then ship you a new, a new wallet. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, great. Two questions come from this. The first one is, how are you going to ensure, and I apologize, this has nothing to do with your product, but it does have to do with the exchanges. The exchanges are notoriously bad at customer service. Horrible. I don't care if you're talking about Coinbase or Poloniex or Bittrex. They suck. They put you on a wait, and you have to wait on on this ticket for weeks sometimes just to ask a certain question. How are you going to mitigate that with them? Very good question. So we will have our own customer service team to support the wallet-related inquiries. And that will be the same standard as a When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply currently traditional banking are doing and the reason we are providing this level of customer experience is because the way we see is later on all those exchanges they are going to be acting as a financial i mean legitimate financial institutions which are required by our regulations to provide customer service in a timely manner then my second question is okay cool so the customer service is going to be housed under cool bags. You guys will be taking care of it and going out to these different exchanges. So if I want to use Binance or if I want to use Bittrex or maybe somebody else wants to use Poloniex, depending on who your exchange partners are, it doesn't matter. They're just going to call you. That's correct. Related to the Howard wallet, they're just going to call us. Cool. Cool. Okay. So now what if I am on Poloniex 
I don't know why I'm using Poloniex. I haven't been on their site in, I think, over a year. Okay, what if I'm on Binance? (laughs) What if if, if I'm on Binance and I buy some more crypto? Is that going to sync with my wallet automatically or would I always have to load it? So if you go to Binance and you apply for Koala S, Mm -hmm. you will have two wallets. One is your centralized wallet on Binance website. And another one is your offline, more secure hardware wallets in your hands. It's almost like the concept if you have a bank account and you also have a vault uh, sitting somewhere your home, you wouldn't necessarily want to keep all the eggs in one basket. So sometimes people prefer to withdraw some cash out of a bank and put it in your own storage just in case you need it urgent sometime or just in case banks collapse. Understood, understood. Now my second question is, why would people do this? I think a lot of the ideology about cryptocurrency, Bitcoin in general, is to have control of your money, to have monetary sovereignty, to control your private keys. So if you are looking at an exchange to issue wallets for you, if you're looking at for other companies to just be able to call up and they can send you your money, that doesn't give you the sovereignty as I think a lot of the people in Bitcoin or in the space right now are thriving for. It seems like we're going back to the banking system. Why would people want this and how does this really fall into the spirit of cryptocurrency? A very good question. I'm glad you brought it up. So it has a lot to do with what I said about compliance. So it all began with what we've seen in the late 2017 and this whole year, the bearish market, why the market declined ever since Bitcoin hit 20,000 US dollars. It's all because cryptocurrency has failed to reach mainstream adoption. It's not expanding to wider population. It's only dealing with early adopters or anarchists or libertarians right now. And what's missing in a puzzle is compliance. Because the majority of population, they don't really care about whether their investment is private, is controlled or monitored by government, because what they have been investing are already being monitored, being regulated by governments, and possibly for good reasons. Just like they now invest in Apple stock, Amazon stock. Why there's AML compliance in the first place is to make sure there's no money laundering, there's no terrorism financing, There is no market or price manipulation. Otherwise, the whole security market or the investment financial products, there will be so many, many scams. And the stock market actually witnessed this kind of chaotic period in the beginning. Then later on, regulators decided to come in and regulate how corporates can structure their stock price. Then the market became more stable. And then the growth of economy can be built upon this stability, the cleanness. Without this, we will be in a more crazy bubble like the ICO hypes we've all seen. They're all crazy. They all go out there and do fundraising and promise 10x, 100x return in a few months. But eventually, only the people who deliver the product, who have the real business model, they can have a sustainable growth of their actual token price or stock price. So the way I answer your question, why the market needs such wallet issuance, somebody in centralized facility to hold your keys to make sure KYC and ML compliance, 
is to make sure the stability of this crypto economy. And the way I foresee this crypto space will become is it's going to be split into two parts. One is the original anonymous world where it's uh, permissionless transactions. People can send crypto to whoever they want, whenever they want to. On the other hand, it will be a more regulated AML KYC compliant world where uh, transactions are to a certain extent controlled. Fraudulent addresses can be frozen and funds can be stopped sending to fraudulent addresses. It's almost like building crypto space, like there will be a surface web and the dark web, or there will be an onshore Chinese yen and offshore Chinese yen, onshore US account, offshore US account. The onshore ones are the ones governments, authorities have the influence. They can execute justice if necessary. But the offshore ones, the dark web ones, the anonymous crypto space, will remain free. And I realize this at times will sound controversial. You'll say it's probably against the original Satoshi white paper idea, the freedom of money. But I'd say to ensure the sustainable growth of this space, this type of compliance has to be in place in order to meet central governments, central banks, or FATF's requirements. So it can last till the next stage of growth. With mainstream adoption and growing and doing the systems that you just spoke about, how are you going to keep up with the crypto space? And my question is based off of Andreas Antonopoulos. And Andreas always says there's not going to be one Bitcoin. There might be millions of Bitcoins, millions of different digital assets, millions of forks. People are going to be using all kinds of different utility tokens and what have you out there. And I just checked Blackfolio probably about five minutes before we hopped on, and there was 6,000 different <laughs> tokens you can add in your Blackfolio. And I, I was like, when did this happen? How's a company like yours going to keep up with the mom and the pop that might want to use, um, I don't know, GoGo Gadget Coin or whatever other token that might come out in the future, and they want to keep those safe? Or is that something you don't care about? You just want to go for the mainstream Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, or whatever is going to be the big players in the future? We now begin with supporting the mainstream coins. In the meantime, we make the product as flexible as it can be to make sure when the time comes, when we have to, the wallets can be remotely upgraded to support more coins to come. Cool. <laughs> About the crypto space in general, what do you think of this space right now? Do you think that, well, Bitcoin went from almost $20,000 down to, I think it's 3400 at the time we're speaking right now. A lot of people say that Bitcoin is going to collapse, it's almost dead. But you just said that you saw it in 2014 where it was at $200 Bitcoin and people are saying the same thing. Are you optimistic of the future or do you think that we're in some deep shit? <laughs> I'd say we are definitely experiencing some chaotic times right now. And I think it's a very healthy uh, market correction. It's definitely not a deep shit that's never going to recover. <laughs> As a matter of fact, if you are in the industry, you will realize mainstream big giant financial institutions like Fidelity, ICE, the big guys in the markets, they are building serious projects to ensure the next stage of growth. It's to make sure when the mass adoption comes, those infrastructure are there to support the healthy growth of the market. And the reason bearish market, the way I see it, is just a very natural reaction from the ICO hype. 
because those value pump is just not reasonable. Mm -hmm. And those ICO investors are realizing, huh, those things are not going anywhere. So they are now realizing their loss and selling their um, investments. And then the next round will be the investors or the people who see the true value of cryptocurrency or the blockchain. They are in it for the long term. They see how this industry has potential to change the world. So what do you see in the future? What do you see in the, is the true value of blockchain? If you were, you are very, very much invested in the space. I mean, you have a company, your livelihood and livelihoods of a lot of people, especially our good friend that's sitting next to you right now, is based off of, you know, making sure that this space moves forward. But as you said about the ICOs, they oversold people. They raised a lot of money. They are now going to go bust. Lots of companies are shutting down because one of the price correction and two, they didn't manage their funds and three, because they just don't have products and nobody believes in them. So if we were sold on the utility of blockchain, we were sold on the control your data on the blockchain, the internet of things or any other utility token, whatever it's going to do. And those aren't happening right now. Where do you see the real use case for blockchain technology in the future? Well, I see cryptocurrency as an alternative investment asset. Just like decades ago when banks just started operating, the only business they do was taking deposit and allowing withdrawals and giving loans to their customers. But then years later, banks started selling insurance, selling different kind of investment options, financial products, Forex, and I think cryptocurrency will be the next type of financial product that's going to be added into those uh, portfolio. And to ensure that day comes sooner, I have to emphasize again, compliance has to be in place. Otherwise, governments wouldn't allow such financial product to be offered to mainstream users because they don't have the education or the experience or the knowledge that accredited investors do to absorb those high risks. So it has to be a cleaner market. There's a lot of people in the space right now. The space is growing and growing in size daily. I got into the space about two years ago, made a podcast, and now people listen to me, and I'm like, hey, how you, <laughs> what happened? The space is getting bigger. Who do you look to in the space to try to understand the market? Oh, I look to uh, Vitalik, Tim Draper, and Charlie Lee. And as we spoke, actually, Charlie Lee joined the company to be an advisor because we share the same vision. We all think in order to crypto to go to the next stage, mainstream mass adoption is the key. Wait, Charlie's on your an advisor now? You got to tell him to come on the show. I've been trying to get a hold of him for months now. Say, hey, Charlie, yeah. come on Crypto 101. I'll do that. <laughs> I'll make you an intro. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. Is there anybody's Twitter that you follow for entertainment purposes? Now, I'm asking you this because, remember, Crypto 101 is the 101s on all kinds of things. And I'm really happy we got an opportunity to have a 101 on Cool Wallet S. But also, there's a lot of people in the space. There's Crypto Dog and Crypto Frog and Crypto Batman and all these other crypto influencers <laughs> on Twitter. Or whatever, whatever you want to, whoever they are. And I'm sorry if there's somebody named Crypto Batman or Crypto Frog out there. And I'm not talking talk about you directly, <laughs> just in general. And they're actually hilarious. A lot of them are hilarious. Is there anybody that you follow that you just think is super funny on in the space that you want to just give a shout out to well i do follow a specific twitter account for entertainment purpose but this account is not specifically built for crypto space instead it's for uh, technology in general for tech people and i've hesitated to um to see if i should name this twitter it's a little um sensitive 
but uh, here we are. The name is 50 Nerds of Grey. 50 Nerds of Grey? Yes, 50 Nerds of Grey. If you can search this Twitter handle on Twitter, you'll find it's hilarious. I'm sure you'll have a lot of fun with it. Oh, right on, man. I just, I just followed them. I didn't even know this existed. <laughs> but they have 350,000 followers, so apparently they're doing something. Yeah. We just talked about like KYC AML and regulation being the catalyst, the game changer of making this mass adoption. People have to follow regulations. People meaning companies and uh, other people coming in the space, building projects and products. They have to you know, basically get with the regulated communities to ensure everybody's safety and all the things that we talked about. What products are you looking for as game changers to cryptocurrency besides the regulations besides the wallets and the access to the mom and pop what are you looking at in the space right now that you think is going to help push mass adoption i think erc20 based stable coins is one of the big game changers i see so if you connect the dots together with the erc20 stable coin plus the crypto post terminal development and crypto wallets all together you will realize the whole industry is building an ecosystem that people can earn crypto in and live with crypto. Okay, so I'm going to expand on ERC-20 tokens a little bit. ERC-20 tokens is the first Ethereum iteration of allowing people to hop on this platform, which is Ethereum. There are going to be more iterations of the ERC-20 token. Do you think that they all make an um, important contribution? Or what do you think about the Ethereum killers, quote unquote, the Zilliqa, the EOS, the, or what, what have you? Do you think they are also part of that movement to mass adoption as we just discussed? Well, I do think they have the potential to replace Ethereum, but it's up to them see if they can live up to their expectation. Right on, man. Crypto 101 has positioned itself in the market to be the one-on-one stop for people getting into cryptocurrency. This very might well be the first podcast somebody new in the space will be listening to. And they hear Michael O talk about his company and Cool Wallet, and they're all excited about putting some crypto on it. What would you tell the person that is just getting into the space today? And what advice would you give them? I'd say take a close look at the market, study it yourself, do some research, and you'll probably find now it's a good timing to come into the place. Maybe you want to buy some crypto in this price. And if you do, make sure you have a Koala S there to store <laughs> your crypto in an easy and secure manner. Right on, man. Right on. I like how you answered that with the plug. That was the first time anybody's ever done that. <laughs> Before I ask this last question, I want to say, Michael, Thank you very much for coming on the show. And I also want to give a shout out to your team. Your team has been working with me for the past week or so to organize this interview. And I want to say thank you to them as well. And before we ask this last question, is there anything else that you would like to say? I would like to say thank you again, Matthew, for having me on this Crypto 101 podcast. And to express our gratitude, I would like to offer your audience a 10% off if they type in Crypto 101 in the coupon code box when they check out. There we go. We got some discounts for the listeners of Crypto 101. Go pick yourself up a cool wallet S. I just want to make sure that everybody knows that this is not a sponsored interview. They are Taiwan based. I want to support the local Taiwanese companies that are here, you know, working hard to make the crypto space better. But this was a generous offer from you. And thank you very much, sir. My pleasure. Last question of the day. What three songs would you like on the Crypto 101 Spotify playlist, sir? Um... 
I have one song for you that is Bruno Mars talking to the moon. <laughs> right on, man. Right on. Michael O, CEO and founder of Coolbix. Thank you very much for coming on the show, sir. Thank you, Matthew. Have a good day. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. Michael, if you're listening, thank you very much for coming on the show. It was great to meet you in Taipei. A little backstory to that, you can find on YouTube, Crypto 101 with Matthew Aaron. I met Michael in Taipei during a meetup in Christmas. Great guy, and we had lots of fun. In our next episode of Crypto 101, we have Ledger, the company that brought us Ledger Nano S and now brings us Ledger Nano X. And we talked to their CEO and founder, Eric Larchevec. And he's going to tell us all about the origins of the company. He's going to answer listener and Ledger user questions. And he's going to tell us the future of Ledger. I'm super excited for that episode. But before we go, ApogeeCrypto.com, A-P-O-G-E-E Crypto.com, the best place for your real-time prices. And Savan, thank you for editing this episode of Crypto 101. Have a great day, and we'll see you in future episodes. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic, but today work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.